0: As the Premier League returns, as the World Cup has ended, we find ourselves back in the regular season of sports. Welcome to the Two Half Show. Hello, people, and welcome back to your weekly edition of The Two Half Show. Joining me, as always, uh, is Osama. Osama, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? All good, all good. And it's finally good to have the Premier League back. The World Cup was amazing, something we're always going to remember, of course. But now, the serious business will carry on. Of course, we'll come back to talking about the NFL and the NBA, how their seasons have progressed. The NBA now around halfway through their season. The NFL, two weeks away from ending the regular season. So there's plenty to discuss. But of course, we have to start with the Premier League. And what a return it has been to the Premier League season. We've seen goals galore in every game. Uh, it's been a great to have it back, hasn't it, Osama?
1: Yeah, man, it's, it's good to have regular football back. I think uh, the stress that fans now will have again after enjoying the World Cup. Uh, it's going to be really good. Um, and it's shaping it to be a good season as well
0: yeah absolutely it's it's amazing to have and like I said it it was an amazing set of games there's a couple of talking points to come to in regards to the the Premier League of course we've seen Liverpool complete the signing of Cody Gakpo we'll come on to that but to start let's run through kind of the major games we saw the weekend open and by the way before we carry on I need Amazon to buy the the rights for the League. <laughs> they legit have the best coverage, yeah. the easiest coverage to navigate. The The pundits are actually half decent.
1: I think because we're always used to the prem being showcased by Sky Sports and BT Sports, it's kind of just becoming a norm where them two are just always fighting to get the best games. So yeah, I think it's it's different having Amazon kind of showcase the games, but yeah, I think you're right to say it's way easier because you can just switch channels between these games you want to watch. And, and it's
0: cheaper for fans. I mean, let's assume they do a special subscription for the Premier League if, if they were to get it out. Right, it's still going to cost cheaper than it does to cost to have 100%. BT, to have Sky uh, and everything else. Yeah. So I think that's one, one of the main takeaways this weekend is that I really want Amazon to kind of scale the rights. But uh, on the opening game, of course, or the reopening game, I should say, we saw Tottenham play... Brentford in, in an absolute thriller and I think you know we've seen amazing games in the World Cup but it's, it was a reminder that that you still get these quality quality football matches maybe the stakes aren't as high but you still get these quality football matches week in week out in the Premier League. Brentford took the 2 lead and of course Tottenham, Tottenham coming back and th- there's a there's I feel like with Conte there's an element of he can't keep getting away with this where they keep saving their games after going behind and it's something a little bit off with Spurs and, and Conte because I thought this was the year. I had them second. I thought this was the year they were going to actually challenge, and they just don't seem like they're going to do it, do they?
1: No, I think yeah, I think you're right to say like, they've gotten away with it so many times. Um, I think the, the most team in the Premier League to come back from a losing position, they could have actually only won at the end with Harry Kane's header, but I think they were just a bit unfortunate. I think, yeah, you're right to say that it's going to be a matter of time before I think Spurs fans themselves kind of turn onto the team or The manager himself because they want to see performances against the lower sides, you can say, um, actually playing good football rather than counter attacking. And yeah, because all you see is just the second half performance from Tottenham where they actually turn up first half. It's a bit shaky, I don't know whether it's the legs, the like first game back from the World Cup, but yeah, it's because it's been so repetitive this season. I think it's, it's going to be theme, a time, isn't it? yeah, it's yeah. A yeah. Theme.
0: And like, like you said, if. If they somehow manage to turn their first-half performances into their second-half performances, they're going to be fine. But you look at their position now in the table, it's a precarious position. They're only a point ahead of Manchester United who do have a game in hand. You know, uh, Liverpool have games in hand over them as well. It's not the best position to be in. It's quite a vulnerable position to be in. And Manchester United, obviously, winning their game would, would take them into that top four. But... Brentford showed a lot of fight, and 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 now they they are probably safe in terms of the the amount of points that they are still gonna garner in the next few months. But don't you think they're really really gonna miss Ivan Tony? Because I think that game showed he's a top six striker in my opinion. I've said that before, but in that game he really showed his class, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I think what I love about Tony is that he gets chances and he scores them, and with what I mean is that he gets himself in situations where he's in the box, where he's like a, like a Jamie Vardy, where he yeah, he's a fox in the, the ball box. ball movement is, yeah. is amazing, uh, isn't it? And I think that's what defenders find it hard to kind of mark him or kind of keep him quiet. Because you know, within a game, he'll get one or two chances. And I think, yeah, luckily enough, he was in the right place at the right time. But how people say that as fans is that, oh, he's just lucky to be there. And you have to give him credit for his attacking position, where he knew if the ball drops to him, in that certain area, it takes a gamble, and he's there and he taps it in.
0: Especially yeah. when we credit kind of the best top goal scorers for that trait. Yeah, it's and you know we, we see what will happen with the whole FA investigation into this this betting thing that's going on with him. But he's probably going to miss a few months. Yeah, it's crucial for them, I think, to to make try and get a backup of some sorts in the in the January market for them to to carry on. Basically. Yeah, of course, of course, I think because I think. It's almost a blessing in disguise because I feel like them having to make that move now will save them from having to replace him when he probably leaves in the summer yeah. to a bigger team. So it, it might work out as a positive for them.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, it's always good to have competition for places, and I think even though he's the number one striker, the go-to goal scorer, it's always good to have like a backup. Uh, but weirdly enough, I think in the summer possibly. He could be a really good signing for United, um, being like a replacement for Christian or like a replacement for the striking problems that they're facing at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I like him. I w- I'd love him, to be fair. Uh, elsewhere, we've seen, like I said, goals going in everywhere, Fulham beating Palace 3-0. Wolves with a last-minute winner against Everton, which was a weird game. I watched that game, and it was a very strange game. Mm. Newcastle looking comfortable now. like They are really not just... They're not there on just luck. They're there yeah. on merit and they're performing as a big team already.
1: 100%. Like I said, at it's the start crazy. Of the like,
0: if they manage to f- find a way into the top four this season, uh,
1: massive credit with has a, to go. With to a, the yeah, absolutely. Mm. With a
0: massive spend available to them, yeah, they are going to almost cement a place in that top four in the coming seasons, yeah. which, which is incredible.
1: I, I think what's crazy is that with Newcastle, like you said, because they've not really spent much money. And they're doing really well at the moment. So obviously, the owners um, would know that, okay, to kind of take the team further forward. And we've got the right man in the job. We've got the right structure in the, in the club. And so they're going to back the manager. And any player that he wants to get, I think they'll get easily, easily with number one, the money that they will offer. And two, if they do get to Champions League positions, uh, I think it's, it's without that, players it? will because
0: come. I, I think with them, it's every week you expect them okay this is when they start to drop points and they just don't do it don't drop points Mm. Uh, and they're very well drilled like you said you can tell they're a very well coached team eddie Howe's doing a magnificent job there i think the worst case scenario like we mentioned and a few episodes ago that the worst case scenario is that they're going to finish in a europa league spot which is still amazing yeah like a lot of people probably didn't even have them doing that even so Massive shout-out to them, and they are going to cause a lot of big teams, a lot of headaches, especially if they do manage to secure a place in that top four. Uh, we saw Liverpool, of course, struggling in the second half, but come away with a relatively comfortable win, 3-1. Um, Darwin Nunes, of course, having an interesting game. Yeah. He's just a chaotic player, isn't he? Yeah. Like I, I really enjoy watching him, and you know I've given my thoughts. I actually quite like him, and maybe he's not performing to the level he should, especially in front of goal. But you know he has a performance where he's maybe not finishing chances he should. Yet he still creates the 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 goal for the you know the third that's goal. Like yeah. he he's still a very very valuable asset in that. Hundred percent.
1: I think with Darwin you just gotta give him time, let him get adjusted to the prem as well as the language and everything and so on. But I think the biggest thing that I can take away from this is that as a striker, if he's not getting chances, that's when I would be worried. But I think because him he's getting opportunities, he's creating chances for himself, and he's kind of running behind, knowing full well that the ball will come in. It's good to see that he is getting chances, and yes, he's not finishing these chances, but I think he'd be more of a worry if he didn't, uh, sorry, if he didn't get these chances. 100%. And I think with that, it's just a matter of time before this he kind of, went in. yeah, yeah, before hundred percent. Like, I would himself.
0: rather have a player who, you know, to, to speak in a statistical language, I would rather have a player who's getting a high number of XG but is underperforming it than a player who is getting a low number of XG and overperforming it because I feel eventually he will start to get closer. Even if he's not prolific, he's still going to finish a lot of chances. And I think with him, I get the vibe that he's a confidence player. And I think the more confidence he gains from performances like he did have despite not scoring, he will still... But end up being a productive player for you guys uh, and it'll be an interesting kind of way to see how his career unfolds in Liverpool particularly with Cody Gakbo coming in that we will talk to about in a bit. Arsenal coming back from behind at home to West Ham to remain in first position that was a, a, an interesting game because Arsenal probably dominated throughout but West Ham really really g- gave them a bit of a sweat up until the second half where Arsenal started to finish their chances uh Saka again with a with a very good performance. Uh Nketia getting a very, very nice goal at the end. I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, but it's a beautiful finish by Eddie Nketiah. Uh, and they just keep um, carrying on, don't they? Like they, they are not letting up and they are making it tough for Manchester City or whoever wants to challenge. Yeah. To, I think to, to do
1: it. There's two players I want to highlight for for this Arsenal team. I think the first being Martin Odegaard who's, I think, having a phenomenal season. I think he's already hit double digits is, for goal contributions in the Premier League. Which is season.
0: interesting because at the start of the season, all of, a lot of Arsenal fans were doubting him a little bit.
1: I think it's probably because the thought he's like a similar style to Ozil in terms of he's a creative player where and he kind of prefers having time on the ball, trying to pick his pass, not doing enough running. But I think he's kind of gone to prove that he is a fan favourite and deserves to be the Arsenal captain, where he kind of gives morale to the team and supports the team when needed. He's a leader on and off the pitch. But I think their biggest worry would have to be if Gabriel Jesus can come back in enough time to actually support the team. That's a big
0: injury for them. But if Eddie Nketiah, listen, I think Eddie Nketiah will eventually be a a good Premier League striker. If he manages to show that he can still be productive in this team for them, and they can carry on their their challenge. It's amazing for Arsenal fans.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think they've got uh, a couple of tough fixtures. They do, in, and they've got Manchester City in a couple of playing. months,
0: which would be a big game. I think it depend on how they deal with this next few run of games. It'll be interesting, and I do think that they are going to add one or two players uh, in the in the January transfer window. We've already seen yeah. them have a bid rejected by Shakhtar Donetsk for the young Ukrainian. Mikhailo Mudrik, yeah. um, which, which is a weird one for me because, listen, the, the money that they're going to have to pay for him is quite high. They are going to have to pay at yeah. least 70, 80 million for him, which is a crazy money. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. the, the money that United paid for Anthony is crazy, crazy money. Mm. Um, but he is a very, very good player. There's a lot of people that really like his style of play. The question mark, though, I have with him is who did he replace? Because, again, like Anthony, you're not coming in for 80 million to be on the bench. Of You're course. going to be replacing either Saka or Martinelli.
1: I think with, with that, firstly, I think with the price tag, I think anything in January is always doubled or increased. I think reason reason being a lot of clubs know that they can't wait until the summer, so they'd rather just purchase it now and kind of take the hit. I think With, with, with him, him, it's I always
0: been a high price, even in the summer, though, to be Yeah, part. I think he's
1: had a really good season, and he's shown that in the Champions League as well. But I've got to say, I, think I don't see him as a replacement, I think he's more of kind of giving a different option for Arsenal where maybe Gabriel, his Gabriel Martinelli will be pushed more into the attacking false nine slash striker role. That, and that could and work, Modric to be fair. That could side.
0: work, that could work. I, I, see, I see what you're saying. That that really could be something that works. But I think eventually, you know, it's, it's always good to have options and it increases the level of competition. So if yeah. you have... For example, Martinelli isn't pulling his weight. Saka isn't scoring or assisting. Yeah. You've got a, a replacement to come in and perform and then everyone else will kind of try and one-up each other. And I think it mm. speaks to the strength of the Premier League that they are scooping up all the young talent. Um, of course, we've seen Enzo Fernandez linked with Liverpool, linked with uh, Manchester United and Chelsea. It looks like Chelsea might secure a signing. But all the young talent in, in Europe is flocking to the Premier League. I think... I think it's fair to say that we are going to see in the next couple of years the strength of the Premier League be so high that teams that would finish 5th, 6th, maybe even 7th in the Premier League would probably win the majority of the European top five leagues with the, with the level of talent that they will be stacked with. This. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah, ridiculous, to be fair. Uh, moving on. Yesterday, of course, Chelsea, 2-0, comfortable victory over Bournemouth. Mason Mount getting a big goal for himself. Uh, yeah. A lot of people doubting him recently and, and Havertz getting that goal as well. A lot of transfer activity around um, Chelsea. Do you think that they're building a bowley vision or do you think this is Graham <laughs> Potter that's that's making these decisions? Because a lot of them seem to be coming from the top.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm the thing is, I'm not too sure because looking at the Chelsea team, I don't really think they need to improve defensively, especially within the center back areas. I think them signing or agreeing to sign uh, the Monaco centre-back, Badia um, it's kind of a weird one to me because I didn't really expect it. I think every Chelsea fan know that they need to get uh, a centre-defensive mission. striker as well. Or uh, a centre-mid preferably. And yeah, like even a striker as because well going in front of goal, you don't really have the clinicalness of... Aubameyang or uh, Kai Havertz where you can see them scoring 15 goals a season for example uh, and that's the biggest worry I, but
0: I think Enzo I Fernandez think would be a big signing for them
1: I think 100% I think he's a really talented youngster uh, he's got everything in his game uh, within the centre mid positions either attacking wise and also holding
0: I, I think the only like red flag I have United have been linked but we're not signing him we're too broke but The one thing for me, the red flag is you're signing him for 120 million probably over a World Cup. Mm. That's the reason you're signing him for that much. A year ago he was bought for 18 million. So I think that's always a red flag when you're buying players off tournament. It's always a risk. Mm. What I will say is, of course, he won the young player of the the tournament at the World Cup and usually them players always go on to have an amazing career. So I think he'll be a very good player for them. I think he, he will play that almost quarterback position in the midfield, uh, and I, th- I think he'll do very good. Uh, Manchester United, of course, uh, rounding off the first couple of days this week with a convincing 3-0 performance against uh, Borussia. Honestly, the game was, all, was... It was the game that, as a, as a fan, you want to see a team have, and sometimes United haven't done enough of it, where you're not really worried throughout the game. you a solid yeah. win. You got two goals in the first 20 minutes. Max Rashford started the game like a house on fire. He, mm. Mark Rashford at the moment feels to me like he's playing to prove a point, and I love that. 100%. And yeah. what I am going to say, and I saw someone say this, and it's 100% correct. Mark Rashford at the moment isn't back to his best. He's actually probably playing the best football of his career at the moment, better than the two seasons ago when he got 25 goals and assists. I think he's playing his best football at the moment, and I think that speaks to the faith that Ten Hag has put in him. I, we heard, of course. Uh, at the start, before before Tenard came in, that he already decided on making Marcus Rashford one of his main plays, and we're seeing the results of that. Uh, he, he, he was absolutely incredible yesterday. He should have probably scored another, probably got another assist even. Uh, United were, were quite wasteful. Um, and then, the, 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 the performance of the day probably went to Casemiro, who did get man of the match. Yeah. What a performance by him. Like, genuinely, I think even as a United fan, it surprised you how how composed, how controlled he was throughout the game.
1: I think what we take for granted is that because we've seen him so so many times in the Real Madrid team with the likes of Luca Modric and Tony Cruz, I think we don't see the work that he does. Uh, and that's the biggest thing. Because he does the dirty work, you kind of never appreciate it because obviously you've got the, the flair players. Point. And of, he almost goes under the radar all Yeah, lot, yeah. isn't uh, it? And he kind of reminds me, I think, weird enough to say it, of uh, Michael Calicro at United where he's not really the fan's biggest favourite um, nah, in terms l- of to
0: be fair like, Carrick was a favourite you know no, I, I mean think like maybe, underrated maybe, aspect maybe yeah it. he's very ind- I agree with you on that I think I do think Casimir is much more combative though like yeah. he'll put in a he's tackle got a lot the more physicality, Carrick. Carrick was more kind yeah. of intelligent but yeah listen I think that's a very good point that he went under the radar and we've seen it with some of the comments that a lot of pundits made when he signed that you know the midfield is all about Cruz and Modric but when you have someone like him you can let every other yeah, player yeah, express yeah, themselves yeah exactly I personally went out, when, when he came in, I, I basically said, let him settle and learn the language and give him the captain's arm. And I think performances like that show that. And he's, you know, he's not the youngest. He is 30, but he's still he's, got a, a good four or five years, four, years in, in, in his position. He's a player who's never really relied on pace. I feel like if you rely on pace, that's when your 30s get to you. He's never really relied on it. So I think, to be fair, we can still see a few good years from him. And... Uh, and I think the uh, the attitude that he brings is a big one for Manchester United. And like we said, point off the top four with a game in hand, it's in the it's in the hands. It's in their hands.
1: I think one question I want to ask is um, what is happening with Jaden Sancho?
0: Jaden, it seems there's a a lot of strange things. I think a family issue has played a part in it. Um, we heard you know, at the start of the World Cup, That there was some kind of family issues he had to address. This is all speculation. This is nothing confirmed. We don't have any information, of course. But it seems what, what, what does give me comfort in that situation, it's not a case of a player not performing or a player having an attitude and the manager kind of being annoyed at him and wanting to get rid of him. It feels like Ten Hag's really protecting him okay. and trying to kind of mentor him through that. And I think that that's the good thing, that it shows it's not... Something that whatever's happening, it's not something wrong with him, and and hopefully he comes back from whatever it is. And leading off the Manchester United conversation, and and you know referring to the Liverpool one as well, we've seen this week that Liverpool have completed the signing, of course, of Cody Gakpo. Yeah. Now, it it was for a long time it was assumed that he was going to sign for Manchester United yeah. because he shares an agent with Ten Hag. The deal was basically sh- sh- basically done almost in the summer already. United wanted to delay it. Gakpo himself has come out and talked about wanting to sign for United. When, when things like that happen, everyone assumes that the, the deal is going to happen yeah, one way. Yeah. What it does seem happens is a very similar situation to the Nunez deal where United basically agreed the, everything. And Liverpool just came and said, here's more money. Here's the deal that you guys actually want because PSV are going through some financial issues at the moment. And, and secured the signing. And it's another forward in an already stacked... Uh, attacking lineup what are your feelings first of all as a Liverpool fan I'll give my thoughts as a United fan but what are your thoughts as a Liverpool fan in another kind of attacking player coming through
1: I think um, personally I was surprised when the deal actually was agreed I think I was, uh, most Liverpool fans like myself were dying for midfield reinforcements and I and you still are I think as well yeah to be fair. I think Enzo Fernandes um, Robert or Bellingham would have been the ones that us fans would have been wanting to kind of hear or know more about if anything's going to happen or are more interested in. And I think the Gakpo one kind of caught us off guard. I think he's an outstanding player. I have to give him that. But do we need another attacking-minded player? I think in this current stage of the season, yes, due to injuries of Luis Diaz and Diego Jota. But once, obviously, most of our attacking players are fit and raring to go, would he get game time? Is he going to be the our preferred left winger over Luis Diaz? Because obviously he's preferred can play striker position. as well, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. But his,
0: his striker it seems like it's the position he eventually wants to play in. But I, um, you're right. Let you, I mean, let's go through it. So you've got mm. Roberto Firmino who may or may not leave, During but then yet. you have Luis Diaz, you have Jota, you have Salah, you have Nunes. you have Gakpo. Who else do you have? No, that, that's it. You have Cavallo who can play in them positions. Like mm. you have an incredible number of attackers and it's a good thing to have. It's a good of problem course. to have. The setup does, you know, give some question mm. marks the best. But to be fair, you've never really played with an out and out number nine anyway. And of course. Because of that, I think it's it, it, I, I think he will I think he will play play as your number nine. I do think with everyone fits, you will either have Nunes or Diaz on the left, him as the nine and then Salah on the right, because Nunez is actually better when he's kind of slightly to the left than when he's a striker. But it's an interesting setup, to be fair. Yeah. But like you said, the midfield is is the is the focus, isn't it for you guys?
1: I kind of see him as, I would I don't want to say it, but like a, a replacement of Firmino, where he kind of offers you the defensive side of the work, where he drops in, uh, in the number ten position, and kind of gives himself as an extra midfield option, and allowing your wingers. He's, he's a lot more of
0: a striker than him, though I think because he. I think he's it, got the height, like you know, yeah, you yeah, no, six he's got foot yeah. you he's got. He's quite strong. He's got amazing ball striking. I think. I think. I think. It, it's
1: just seeing him in the World Cup, obviously, it's a really good signing to have. And competition for places is always good in the football club. Yeah, um, but it just depends on is he going to get enough game time as he wants, or what he thinks he's expected to get. That's and a good
0: question, especially when you compare his price tag to maybe Nunes or someone. For me, as a United fan, I think most of us kind of expected the signing to happen. And it is the frustration isn't necessarily about him not signing, it's more that the reason why he's not signing is because, frankly, the club, because we're getting sold, Mm. we don't have any money left. We've seen the financials of Manchester United come out. We we have around 23 to 24 million pounds in cash in the bank, which was 300 million in, in 2019. We, wow. you know, for me, the, the numbers line up with what we heard in the summer. We got told before Anthony signed, that was it. And the 100 million was a budget for next year, which is not enough anyway. But mm. I think because of that cash reserve figure that we have, we can assume that the, the 80 on Anthony was spent from next season's, but this season's budget oh, okay. essentially, and we mm. have no money left. That's why we're only looking at loan deals, which is very frustrating as a United fan. But the reality is, and like I mentioned this at the start when we first started this podcast at the start of the season, but the opportunity cost of the 80 million spent on Anthony genuinely looks worse and worse with every passing day. And that's not necessarily because of Anthony not being good at anything. But it's because we've strengthened a non-priority position, leaving holes in the squad that should have been filled in the summer, spending a budget we didn't have, and... like like I said, this is not, I told you so, this is not like slandering Anthony, but it's just in the reality of Man United in 2022, spending that much on a single player is a horrible decision financially and a bad one footballing wise because we still have so many holes to plug. And I just hope that that this is the problem now because we find ourselves in a situation where we're for sale and so are you. Yeah. And if I'm an investor, Liverpool are more attractive because you're cheaper. Mm. If you're cheaper around four or five billion it's not even close whoever's coming in can spend a lot on you guys and still spend less than what they would have to to buy united and the sale of the club does worry me as a united fan and and where where it kind of goes from there because i think we finally got the right man in ten Hag. we've only lost one game in 14 like we are performing to a high level already this season and i just want to see what else we can do kind of without it and cody Gakpo would have come in would have played the number nine position I think he would have been. He's going to develop into that anyway, so it would have been good for him. But alas, uh, we are where we are. So good luck to him at Liverpool. Of course, we'll, we'll see how he performs in that competitive. Maybe the competitiveness makes him perform better. To be fair.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's going to be really good and fascinating to see how Liverpool will line up there. I think it kind of gives him like another dimension of how we can play rather than the four three
0: three. That's interesting. It gives you a versatil- versatility as well. doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think uh, that's what
1: Klopp loves about majority of his signings that he wants to make
0: to finally finish on on the premier league uh i found it fascinating that the referees so usually our world cup when we see little things change var or goal line technology and so on automatically after the world cup they kind of feed themselves into regular football or the top five leagues at least we've seen it with var we've seen it with goal line technology and so on but I that, well i assumed that we know how they were doing the added time properly So they were putting on the correct amount of added time in the World Cup. Or as correct as they can be without, you know, elongating the game too much. So we were constantly seeing seven minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes of added time. And initially, even those that didn't like it eventually came to actually realise it was a good thing and they liked it. And I think it added more drama to the game as well because if you were only leading by one or you're losing by one, you had much more time to kind of get something. And what I noticed in the Premier League that they, they... didn't do that at all. We just saw a return to two minutes of added time, three minutes of added time, five if there was a long stoppage. Do you think they should have brought that into the Premier
1: League? Uh, I think personally for me, I'd have loved to see it. Um, I think it kind of adds more drama to the Premier League um, as well as kind of giving the opposing team like a chance to actually get something out of the game. Um, And I think with that, because we've kind of watched it throughout the World Cup and we've seen a lot of drama happen in the last few seconds or minutes of, of Very the game good point. it's it, it'd be lovely to see in the prem um maybe if your team's 2-1 up and there's like eight minutes to go you might not be a fan And rightly so but i think for for neutrals it'd be really good to have
0: but um, i also think it it stopped a lot of time wasting
1: yeah i think because majority of the time when you've got five minutes i don't know for example like it happened with the arsenal game you, you'd have
0: well even even during the game like people time wasting on the ball yeah keeps time wasting it was less of that because you knew that any time you wasted was going to get added on yeah and you know it's also accurate so well we're, we're, we're kind of I, I don't understand why maybe because they don't want to do it in the middle of the season maybe they're going to add it in towards you know next season and so on but i really do hope yeah, they, I'd, I'd love they bring for it, it yeah it. absolutely yeah i think that's all for our premier league section and uh, of course the as as other uh competitions return we'll talk about them as well more and more. But moving on now from football to the NFL, we haven't talked about it in over a month Yeah. <laughs> and we are obviously now just gone past week 16. We've got two more weeks. This is where things are heating up. This is where playoff spots are being secured and, and people are starting to figure out who's gonna play who and so on. So now that we've seen more of the lay of the land that the season is drawing to a close and the playoffs are just around the corner. Who, who's, who's really caught your eye as as team? I think I know what you're going to say, but who's really caught your eye as a team that can really, really challenge?
1: I think for me, I might be a bit biased to say, um, but I'd probably say the 49ers. I think probably because they're my team that I've been supporting throughout the season. Um, I think they've just been absolutely immense throughout the season. And it kind of goes to show they've got probably the best or complete r- roster within the league itself think i've got to give a massive credit to the coach i think his mentality that he's shown throughout the season even when uh we've had injuries in the quarterback position uh to jimmy g and just having brock purdy come in and kind of do a job for us uh it just goes to show that the level of competitiveness that we have within the team as well as elite players throughout the team can either push us towards like the conference or possibly even the Super Bowl itself.
0: Yeah. I think, I think in the NFC, especially the 49ers do stand out as, as the best team. Dallas on their day can be anyone. The Eagles, of course, with J- Jalen Hurts coming back, should be able to compete with anyone. They've got a very complete team as well. But I think with the 49ers, it's the coaching that adds to it. Like you said, Brock Purdy, listen, Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. Yeah. Every, he comes in, no one's really expecting him to do anything. And mm. he still is performing to a quite a high level, to be fair to him. He I actually feel like he gives a dimension to the game that Jimmy G maybe doesn't. And of course we've said we've talked about Jimmy G being a game manager and so on, but I think Brock Purdy gives you he, he gives you the range that maybe Jimmy G doesn't give you sometimes. He can really throw it down uh the the field and of course he's a rookie and, and you don't want to put pressure on him, but he is in a pressure cooker situation because he's not going into a team that's not performing usually that rookies yeah. would do as a quarterback. But he's coming to a team that is actually probably going to challenge, and I, I, I can't see past them in the NFC. Like I said, I think Dallas could, could mount a challenge because Dak, as if he doesn't, because as long as Dak doesn't turn the ball over, I think that defense will improve in the playoffs. I think they have they have what it gets. For me, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with an interesting one because I'm not going to go with the Chiefs, even though I, you know, they are my team. I'm going to go with the Bengals because oh okay. The Bengals started the 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 season quite weak. Yeah. Uh and a lot of people thought okay this is a you know this is a Super Bowl hangover they made the Super Bowl they haven't really kind of they're okay. not used to this level of success yet. Mm. And they've they've made a, a done a 180 basically and they they are now in you know in the seat for the third seed in the AFC. They are probably if they beat you know if they beat the Buffalo Bills probably will finish the second seed, potentially the one seed if if Kansas uh, slip up. So what they've done is more impressive, I think, because they started off behind everyone else. They almost gave everyone a head start and they're still caught up. And it shows, I think, that last season was an accident. And, you know, of course, we've seen Jamar Chase absolutely lighting it up again this season. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, if he did this for longer, would have been in the MVP conversation. He's... and, And the critical factor for me is that they seem to have the Chiefs number because every time they play, the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, they beat them. Now, we can look at the, the post-season one and say the Chiefs got complacent and, and they let the game slip, but you still have to do it. You still have mm. to face it. And for them being in that position for the first ever time to beat the Chiefs in their home in the conference game was absolutely incredible from them.
1: Do you think it's down to the coach? Or I, th- to I actually think itself? it's
0: more down to the players. I'll be honest. The coach is good, of course, but I think with their with them, it's the profile of the players that they have is just perfect, and mm. they they are the one team that they worry me more than the Bills in the AFC. Okay, because I feel like they they've got the the, the Chiefs number, and I think if they can make it to a second consecutive Super Bowl, they can win it. And if they do, then we 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 no longer talk about Joe Burrow as oh he's he's a very good quarterback that is just in the level below. No, if he will become if it is if he's not already, he will be in the conversation for the best quarterback in the league. And listen, Patrick Mahomes is the best on the eye. He's the best. We've seen him again with a Superman touchdown this weekend, (laughs) a one-handed balancing. You know that that is a risky risky touchdown because slightly off balance and you're twisting the elbow and perfect perfect uh, thingy by patrick mahomes and I, I think most people now are accepting that he is the mvp this season don't you think
1: uh, i think right so i think he's shown that throughout the season uh his individual performances to kind of help boost the team and get him over the end or over the line in some ways kind of goes to show why he is everyone's mvp or why we think he is most likely going to win the MVP award itself.
0: Exactly, and for me, I think him being good has almost shown how, and that's why they haven't necessarily been buying pick, even though I'd love it to happen, but the fact that he has needed to play at an absolutely elite level for them to w- keep winning, I think shows that this team isn't perfect. There is a lot of frailties in this Chiefs team. The secondary and the defense is full of rookies. They're still getting used to things. Pass rush has been good, but it's declined in recent weeks. He doesn't have any first choice wide receivers every elite quarterback in the league does like Mm. we're seeing him perform with nothing and that's what makes it absolutely incredible of course you've got Travis Kelsey who's his trusted uh, lieutenant but he doesn't have any out and out wide receivers that uh, you know are his number one option that are going to get double teamed by the opposition Tyreek's no longer there but then you look at you look elsewhere Kirk Cousins has got Justin Jefferson, who's probably been the best wide receiver this year. Burroughs has got Jamar Chase. Even kind of the lower level quarterbacks have that. Derek Carr has Devontae Adams, and he doesn't. He's got kind of a mismatch of decent receivers, but nothing outstanding. And the fact that he's carrying the team to this level is absolutely amazing, to be fair. I think what's... Leads the league in passing yards, leads the league in touchdowns, leads the league in pass, uh, yards per pass. Incredible.
1: I think what what's scary to to that is that imagine he does have these elite wide receivers yeah, um he'd be a during force the summer. Nature, or, bro. Yeah, I, I think then everyone will could just kind of appreciate his greatness though.
0: Yeah, like I, I even Stefan Diggs for for Josh Allen, like you have someone, you know, go to, to the Rams. I know he's injured at the moment. You've got Cooper Cup. like you have so many elite level wide receivers and he just doesn't have any. So it's it's amazing and I think I think there's a good chance he's even the unanimous MVP because if we look at it the simplest terms, <laughs> throughout the season we've seen the MVP conversation go, is it Mahomes or Allen? Yeah. Is it Mahomes or Hurts? Is it Mahomes or Tua? Is it Mahomes or Burrow? There's one constant. That's your Mahomes. MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the, the other talking point this week from the NFL has been Tua Tugavailoa now. It seems like he's received another concussion. That's his third concussion now, this season. Now, I think it's three is the kind of figure that when you've had three concussions in a season, that's when people start to really, really get worried about your long-term health. What, what for you, of course, I think most of us would agree that he shouldn't really play Play. this week. Yeah. Uh, And he's obviously going to be taken out of it, but... Is this a worry for, for his career going forward now, do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's scary that it's happened so often throughout the season. I think three is a, a lot in itself, but I understand why the team or the medical staff won't pref- prefer him not to play uh, this weekend. I mean,
0: he can't play because he's in the protocol, of course. Um, it, What's interesting is that there's a clip doing the rounds, of course, as to as when that potentially would have been in the game. and. It went when it was in the second quarter, of course. And if we look at it pre-concussion, he was two hundred and twenty-nine yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. After it, zero touchdowns, three interceptions in a row that lost them the game. Only eight eighty-one y- yards in the second half, and he—he's obviously suffered from it this weekend. And I've seen a lot of kind of ideas about is he kind of a candlestick? Is he someone who's constantly gonna have this issue? Going forward, do you think that that can be a problem for him going forward if he continues to play? Which we hope he does, of course. We don't want him to end his career after uh, three or four years only. But do you think this can potentially be
1: a problem for him going forward? Um, I'm I'm hoping not. I think he's a really good player, and we've kind of seen aspects of his game throughout the season. Um, but the one thing I want to highlight is that, like, does the player himself or his camp or the NFLPA actually? care or give any responsibility for the players on safety I think um, a lot of people have been joking for the past five days or so about his back and obviously yeah you can see the video that he gets whipped down and concussed but then it's suddenly as if the NFL PA didn't even know um, so it's kind of worrying to see where
0: oh the, the reporting had to come kind yeah, of from his side yeah, yeah. Uh, I think for me it's players are always going to want to play and you have to protect players from themselves yeah and that's the 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 consensus opinion, but I think the one point I see I've seen Nick Wright, of course, highlight this is that at some point do we have to let players take a level of responsibility? Not not kind of say to them, oh no, you have to play. You're not forcing them to play, but you're telling them, okay, look, this is the information we have about concussions. You've been concussed three times because they're still in the playoff. Hunt. They're yeah. probably going to make a playoff place. The question is: Do you play him in the playoffs or not? Because without him, you're probably not going to perform. Mm. Do you tell the player, "Look, this is the information we have. Make your decision based on this information, whether you want to play or not. If you play, it's a risk, but you know the risk." Or do you say, "Now nah, we're not even going to let you make that choice?"
1: But then I think it's, of course, every player would say that they'd love to play in the playoffs, and and that's the only downside to it is that I'd be surprised if he does say no himself. Um, I don't think it will happen, but I think if any player that any sporting player or an athlete given the moment to kind of showcase their talent on the big stage they'll always say yeah so i think rules that sometimes do come about uh kind of for the player's safety but it's
0: and it's in all sports isn't it yeah, I mean, we've, seen, we've seen a similar situation in the world cup with the iranian keeper didn't we
1: yeah i think because the players and the athletes they kind of they ultimate, also ultimate have emotion as well yeah yeah they have emotion and they want to kind I, of die for the points. I think what
0: makes it more difficult for Tua is that he's a year away from getting that extension, the main extension that every quarterback will Once, get. Once, yeah. And does in his head, he's probably asking the question whether if me not playing in the playoffs will that cost me two hundred million? Will that cost me that big contract? And I think that will play on his head. And it's a ruthless business at the end of the day. Yeah, like all sport is teams will move on from players if they don't feel they are productive for them and because of that i fear that he's going to want to show that he's productive for them then but then the risk man if like if you get another concussion in the playoffs that's four concussions in the space of less than less than 5 months you're you're putting your life at risk yeah. at that point and it's a decision that Tua will have to make and i'm sure the Miami Dolphins will give him the necessary uh, information that he needs, and of course he'll have his family around him and so on to make that decision but like you said the the pressure is immense on these players to to make decisions that not only benefit them but their families yeah um so hopefully he recovers and 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 gets better soon and uh I like to i think i think he's a he's a good player that that a lot of people have underrated in my opinion, so i'm I'm hoping that he he's back and he he performs to the level we know he can. Yeah. Recent weeks he's underperformed a bit, but I hope he can really show his level uh, in the playoffs if he does play. Moving on from the NFL, summer, Yeah. Uh, let's end it with the NBA. And it's quite fitting that we, we do that after last night's performance by Luka Doncic. Wow. Absolutely historic performance. Genuinely, genuinely historic performance. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. The first ever 60-point triple-double 60-point, 20-assist, triple-double in NBA history. And he was just sensational. Like, I, Of course, I didn't watch the game live because of the timing, but even in just the highlights, it really comes across as just how dominant he was in that win against the Knicks.
1: I think, honestly, um, obviously we can all say that that was probably his best game that he's ever had. Oh, yeah, that's them, without a shadow of a doubt. I think what's what's scary is that, in all seriousness, you're putting up these insane stats and to even say not a first since walt it, it's crazy uh, i think he's the first um nba player to ever do so
0: yeah well has 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 all, all the records yeah, basically so to do something that even he didn't do is it's sensational isn't and
1: it what's even worse is that what's even more scary or crazy is that he still has years ahead of him yeah listen
0: luca is
1: he is like we had like this debate um a couple of months ago on the pod itself. It's who's the next next big kind of face of NBA, and with this performance, could it kind of push down to either Luca or Joe Morant, or possibly even Jason Tatum? Yeah, is, I it's, mean, it's we'll, really we'll come
0: him. on to Jason Tatum because he has been up performing. I, I think with Luca, like in recent weeks, he's kind of been sliding down that MVP ladder a little bit because he started on fire, but then the team isn't quite performing. Even now, at the moment, they're up to sixth, which is the highest they've been for a while. And they're they're probably going to make the playoffs. I just don't know whether they have the team around him to win, but Mm. that performance was historic. And I think that's the performance that sends you into the pantheon of the greats when people have conversations about the best ever. And he's got a long career. He needs to win championships. He needs to win MVPs. He needs to be the go-to guy in in the big moments. And I think most people think he will do that. Mm. It's just about. It's just about whether the Mavs can build a team around him to do that or not. The NBA on a wider position, coming to your Jason Tatum point, who has been sensational yeah. this last month, absolutely sensational. You know, Even looking back to to, to last night, the the win against the, the Rockets, of course, the struggling Rockets, but it puts up 38 points, eight rebounds, four assists. We've seen the, the dunk on Giannis a couple of days ago. He's really, really stepped up after that final like uh, we mentioned last time, and he's leading the MVP race. The Boston are number one in the East. Milwaukee are very close behind them. Brooklyn in third, we'll come on to them in a second. But do you think this is the year that Jason Tatum can really kind of lead that team to the finals now and not just take them there, but actually win it? Because, man, the coaching change does not seem like it's bothered them whatsoever.
1: I think what's... What's scary is obviously now that he's had the experience of going to the finals, I think most players either kind of like, like you said, have like a hangover of of getting there. And he's not really shown that this season. I think he's gone out there to prove himself that he can be the best in in the league. And rightly so, I think he has all the attributes to do so. Um, I think I was listening to an interview that he had uh, yesterday or the day before, after the game. Uh, And he said this time last year, you all wanted to trade either me. Um, with someone else, Uh, and now you're trying to compare me, uh, with Mike and Scotty. Yeah, no, I think yeah, it's 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 beautiful to see him kind of show us fans that he does have the ability to kind of perform to the next level, and he has shown that after his, um, his exposure or his experience to the finals, and I am I'm hoping they can uh, they can either push the books for the. Championship itself because I think it'd be a really good game to watch again.
0: Yeah, and uh, the the other team to talk about in in the Eastern Conference of course is the Brooklyn Nets who, you know they've kind of gone under the radar a little bit now because of the early season drama with Kyrie and the struggles and the coaching change and so on but ever since the nine wins in a row now they are 18-5 since Jack Vaughn was named the head coach. They are really kind of showing their quality, but very quietly, and not kind of taking any. They're really kind of showing their quality without kind of being on the radar. And I think that's probably good for them. I think they prefer to be that the the kind of the under the radar team who will eventually maybe get the second seed, the third seed. Of course, we'll see him play in Boston in the second round, but at the moment, all good. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think what's like w- what you said, um, there's one point that I want to highlight, is that obviously the Nets um, had missed the longest winning streak since '06. Okay. So I think if they do get uh, to 10 wins tonight, uh, it'd be really good to see. And yeah, it just makes it more interesting because we kind of wrote them off earlier on within the season, even though they had the troubles of Kyrie and obviously the coach being sacked and having another coach, it, It's
0: a lot of a lot of it's, turbulence it's kind
1: of, yeah yeah and it's not really uh, a good place for kind of coaches and staff to either showcase their skills and i think they've they've done that in the past few weeks and yeah long may it continue
0: no absolutely and you know if we, if we kind of move on to the the western conference we've seen a similar situation with with denver now leading the pack there and with jokic winning the mvp last season a lot of people saw the level of performances the stats the numbers he was putting up and everyone is impressed the question mark was always if you have your teammates around you which he didn't have last season will he be able to lead the denver nuggets to a championship and not kind of flatter to deceive and so far this season they're doing that so far this season the 22 and 11 the number one in in, in the west uh, as i mentioned uh, and jokic is is really kind of showing out why he he has been the MVP and he's it's it's funny because I almost feel like he's having a better season this season than he did last season in the MVP season but he's not going to win the MVP because people are almost like tired of giving it to him they would want to give it to someone else and the the question mark of this season isn't about that the question mark for them is can he lead them to a championship
1: I've, that's actually a really good question um Personally, for me, I don't know. I think there's a lot of quality players within the league itself. And who
0: do you think? Who do you think besides them stands out in in the West? Because I think the West is going through a bit of a transition period. I don't really see anyone standing out too much.
1: Um, I th- I think winning the championship is is a big ask. Um, but yeah, I think because there's so many good teams within the East, or oh, there's not enough good teams within the West. I think they can, of course, make the finals, but. I think whether they're good enough to win it, that's another question in itself. Uh, um, do you
0: think your winner coming out from the East, yeah, do you yeah, think I whoever think,
1: comes out from the East wins it? I think, yeah, without a doubt. I think there's just a lot of strong teams and strong characters within them teams that kind of push, push them to kind of win the championship and I don't see I don't see that happening within the West. Yeah. That, that's the only there's downside. no standout.
0: Like we, like we said with Dallas, like a couple of weeks ago they were 10th and now they're up to 6th and, okay, you've got Denver in the number one spot, but in my opinion, I mean, I'm looking at that. You have Denver, New Orleans in second, Memphis in third, Clippers in fourth, Phoenix fifth, which is surprising, they they were higher earlier, Dallas in sixth, Sacramento will probably fall away in seventh, Portland eighth, Utah ninth, maybe all the way down to Utah, any of them teams, in my opinion, can put a run together and get the number one seed. Uh, or, or the opposite, or have a bad run and, and fall out of the playoff spot. So it is an interesting time in the West. The West was stronger, but now it really does seem that the East is... Is king yeah, yeah. I, I. I tend to agree with you that the winner will will come out from. Who, who do you think is getting,
1: from the West? Who do you think is, will make it? To the I, I think, to predict
0: I think with Denver, they are having a level of consistency mm. that I really like. I do think that the star power that Luca has is very very interesting. And I think that might be, in moments, in the playoffs, when you need moments, Luca might be the difference-maker for them. New Orleans, question marks. Memphis, been good, but recently, question marks. Clippers? The Clippers are Kawhi's. Kawhi not being the player he was because of the injuries is the the big thing for me. If Kawhi was performing to the level we've seen from a few years ago, I think, yes. But the injuries, man, they've absolutely ravaged him. He's not the same player. Uh, And whether he can get back to them levels is a question mark. Literally... I think the winner from the West will be the team that goes into the playoffs in the best form Mm. with momentum putting a run together at the end of the season and the playoffs and and really coming out of that guys thank you as always for joining us uh, on this week's episode of the Two Half Show Uh, Osama thank you for joining me it's a pleasure as always
1: oh thank you for having me man
0: Uh, and make sure to like subscribe and share and let us know your opinions and our opinions make sure to leave your comments and we will see you next week in the next edition of the Two Half Show. Take care, have an amazing week, and keep it locked.